good to have a good start, isn't it? A good start. I, uh, th- the start is important, but it's not the most important. And especially as we think about following Jesus, probably the ending is more important than the starting. Um, but it's great to have a good start. And that's what we're trying to help with in the last few weeks. And this will be the last sermon in the sermon series dealing with uh, the New Start Discipleship Program. Let me ask you just a quick informal show of hands. How many of you are using uh, the New Start Discipleship Journal? Yeah, great. Awesome. A good number of you are using it, and uh, some of you are. A few of you are young Christians, and that uh, journal is designed to give you an overview of the Bible and of the, t- of the Bible's teachings and uh, to help you begin to grow in your faith. We have talked uh, in this sermon series about what happens to us when we are born again, when we come to know Christ as our Savior. Uh, we have talked about how we, like babies born into a family, which is intended to be the environment of care, uh, we've also talked about how Christians are intended to be born into the church. And the church is like our family. It is to be the environment of care for the Christian. That's why you need the church. That's why every believer needs the church. I suppose if you were stranded on a desert island by yourself... God would help you to get to heaven. But otherwise, anywhere where you have opportunity and possibility of gathering together with other believers, God intends for you to be a part of a church, a family, an environment of care. We started uh, last week, last couple Sundays, we talked about the growing Christian and the process of growing, and today... I want to conclude this sermon series by giving you a little bit of an outline uh, of a growth plan uh, for Christian spiritual growth. If you have your Bibles, I'll invite your attention to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. We will read verses 5 through 15. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, 
For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Let's bow our hearts for a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your good favor and grace that you have shown to us in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the beautiful music that we have heard this morning and the reminder that our hearts and our souls can be right in your sight and that we enjoy your presence. We ask that you will help in the furtherance of this service. We pray uh, that your Holy Spirit will speak to hearts. What I have to say is not that important, but Lord, it's you, it's your voice speaking through the word, and we ask that you will be faithful to do that. We trust that you will help us to determine to be growing Christians, and we'll thank you for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice, first of all, this morning that spiritual growth must be intentional. Spiritual growth must be intentional. Notice verse 5 of the scripture lesson says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Make every effort. In other words, there must be an engagement of our will, our minds, our bodies, our hearts, uh, every part of our being, we need to engage in order to follow Christ and to become more like Him in our spiritual life, in our Christianity. It's not something that will happen by accident. It's not accidental. Um, I so wish good things, worthwhile things, could happen by accident, don't you? I mean, sometimes they do, and it's just, you know, you're amazed and wow. But, but most, mostly, you understand what I'm saying. If you are, um, I, I know someone close to me who uh, is interested, very interested in fitness right now, and is working very hard at that. And, uh, you know, he, he's learning that, good fitness and and good shape that does not come about by accident. And I try to say, I'm in shape. I'm, you know, round as a shape, right? So, yeah. Anyway, those kinds of things do not happen by accident. They happen intentionally, purposefully. They are not automatic. They are not automatic. We've talked about this a few times. You know how um, you can drive down the road and drink your coffee or, or soft drink or whatever, um, maybe eat a cheeseburger, um, maybe even talk on the phone. You can do all of these things simultaneously. Now, that's not a good idea, but you can. And I'm sure if we were to ask for a show of hands, most all of you would admit, like me, at one time or another, you have done that. You drive down the road and eat your cheeseburger and drink your Coke and, 
and talk on the phone and do several things at the same time. That is because we have bodies that are very good at learning the rhythms and routines of repeated action. And what happens is over the, 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 the more we do something, we do it over and over again, and our, our minds begin to outsource these activities to the various parts of our bodies so that we can do them without thinking. Believe it or not, that is a good thing. That is a good thing. Maybe not when you're driving and texting and eating all at the same time, but when you go to a doctor for surgery or, or something like that, you hope that your doctor has done more than just read a book, right? You hope that he has done the work, he's done it enough times where his, his hands move steadily and, and calmly, and he knows exactly what he's doing. The Christian life, if we are not careful, can be very much like this. It is a good thing to put certain rhythms and habits in place in our lives where it's just a part of our routine. Quite honestly, I, I don't mean this as a criticism, but I, I struggle to understand people who have a hard time getting to church. Because for me, that was part of my life growing up, is we, you go to church. And you don't get to skip church unless you, you can, you know, you got to have a really good reason. you got to be sick and maybe be able to throw up to prove it. And then, like I heard one guy say, sometimes, you know, Dad would say, after you threw up, now, don't you feel better? Let's go to church. So, We ought to have rhythms and routines in place that we say, this is just what we do. When I get up in the morning, I read the Bible, and I talk to the Lord, and then I go about my day. When I lay down my head at night, I talk to the Lord for a few minutes, and maybe recite some scripture in my mind, those kinds of things. However, it's dangerous. There's a danger to going on autopilot. We were talking a few moments ago about driving and eating and texting and those kinds of things, and we all know the stories of the people who have been on autopilot driving, and tragic things have happened because of that. And friends, it's no less true in our walk with the Lord, in our Christian life. If we go on autopilot for too long without really paying attention that we are staying in touch with Jesus, that we are staying in God's Word and not just going uh, to read the Scripture or to pray as a matter of routine, but that when we read the Scripture, when we pray, we are aware that we're connecting. We're connecting. If we stay on autopilot, we can just go through the motions for a while. Spiritual growth must be intentional. Now, I hear some people may be thinking, what about, what about faith? You know, doesn't the Bible say we are saved by grace through faith? Yes, it does, Ephesians chapter 2. But what's interesting is very, very often people fail to go on to the, to the rest of that passage. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's true. I believe that. 
None of us can be saved by our works. We are saved by faith. However, verse 10 says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, there is something about faith that works. Real, authentic faith works, and I mean that in multiple ways. I mean both that it is functional and that it produces results. If you say you have faith, but your faith is not producing any results in your life, then you need to take a hard look at the kind of faith that you claim to have. Let me read to you a couple of verses from James, James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith, real faith, works, meaning both it is functional and it produces results. Now, there are a few things that I need to remind you of along this line uh, of intentional growth. Do not, do not wait until it happens. Do not wait until it happens. Um, If you wait until it happens, you will be waiting for a while. Because it won't happen on its own. Do not wait until you can afford to grow. Um, You know, and some people are like, well, I want to go to heaven when I die, but I've got other things to do right now. My my life is busy. Um, I don't have the time. I I just, I can't afford the investment. Um, if you wait until you can afford to grow, it'll probably never happen. Do not wait until you feel like you won't make any mistakes. Some of you have heard me tell a little bit of my background and my story, and this is where I tend, tended to fall down. It's just that feeling of over and over again stumbling over my feet and, and feeling like I was not able to live the Christian life, and so... There was a time in my life when I literally told the Lord, I'm just not going to try to serve you anymore because I can't do it. And I kind of went my own way for, for a period of time. And can I just tell you something very clearly? You will make mistakes. And it's okay. It's okay. Don't wait until you feel like you won't make any mistakes. Don't wait until you find the perfect method Any method is better than no method. Don't wait until you find the right devotional book that speaks to you or until you find whatever. Speaking of devotional books, I have a good recommendation for one if you would like one. The New Start Discipleship Journal, we can make those available to you. Some of you have already started on them. uh, But if it's not that one, find something to use. Even if it's just that you begin with reading your Bible and praying daily. Do not wait until you feel like it. 
Do not wait until you feel like it. Some people wait until they feel their way into acting. You know what I mean? That diet that you've been planning to start or that exercise program that you feel like you've been needing to get involved with, or fill in the blank. You know, you know what it is for you. And sometimes, if you're like me, you wake up one morning and you think, you know, I really feel like going for a run this morning. I think I'm going to do that. I just really feel like it. I really feel like getting healthier, and, and so I'm going to do that. I'm going to make myself. No, I'm not going to make myself. I'm just going to do it because I feel like it. Friends, don't try to feel your way into acting. We need to act our way into feeling. Can I say that again? We need to act our way into feeling. Start doing what you ought to do, what you need to do, what you know is right to do, whether you feel like it or not, and eventually you will end up feeling like it. More often than not, I do feel like running in the mornings. You know why? Because I made myself get up and go consistently enough when I didn't feel like it, that now I understand the benefits and what it does for me. We act our way into feeling. Spiritual growth must be intentional. Spiritual growth needs a plan. Spiritual growth needs a plan. I love to look up old quotes by Yogi Berra. Anybody remember or having heard the, the quotes by Yogi Berra, baseball player for the Yankees? He said, if you don't know where you're going, you'll probably end up someplace else. There's a lot of truth to that. And spiritual growth needs a plan, a goal. And the goal for every Christian must go beyond just getting to heaven when we die. You know, I don't, everybody wants to go to heaven when they die. But friends, the goal, we need to say, what is the goal that God has for me? What is the goal that God's word gives to us? And the goal that God has for you and for I, we find in Romans 8, 29, that is that we should be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. One of the things that a lot of people need to ask themselves is not whether or not they'll be able to go to heaven when they die, but if they do, would they feel comfortable if they got there? I would like to suggest to you this morning that if your hope is just to go to heaven when you die, but you have done nothing to become like Jesus and get comfortable in God's presence, and you've lived all of your life avoiding the church and avoiding God's people and avoiding God's word, you wouldn't be happy if you got there. Notice verses 6 and 7 of the scripture lesson. Actually, backs up to, to verse 5, uh, halfway through verse 5. Supplement your faith, that's the foundation, the root. Supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection. You notice the, the systematic 
approach of first this and then this. It's almost as if you're building a building or laying one, one layer on top of another so that you are growing and building and coming higher and higher. And notice also that knowledge is only one piece. Knowledge is only one piece. A lot of times when we think about spiritual growth or discipleship, it's easy for us to think in terms of information. Reading books, reading the Bible, and knowing things. But most of us know everything we need to know for a good start. Most of us need to act on the things that we already do know. We don't need more information. Knowledge is just one one small part. A lot of people, Jerry Clower said, many people have been educated beyond their intelligence. And I believe that's the truth. That's the truth in the church also. We have been educated spiritually beyond our capacity to live out the character of Christ. We know so much, yet live up to so little. Knowledge is only one small part. Spiritual growth is primarily about character formation, not information. Character formation, becoming more like Jesus. And this character formation comes from experience. It comes from taking the things that you learn and then putting them into practice in your life. So how might this take place? What might this look like? Well, there is, as I said, the learning. There is some learning to be done. You might read a book. You might, uh, you might I hope, spend time reading and getting to know God's Word. If you have something in your life that you need to grow in, some area where you need improvement, you might learn what the Bible has to say about that particular problem. Figure out what your stumbling block is. It might be anger, uncontrolled anger. It might be lust or it might be greed or what have you. But Pick it out. Say, this is the thing that I fall over, over and over again. Read about that. Read what the Bible says about it. Talk to someone and then meditate on what you, what you learn. Think about what you learn. If it's anger and we read in God's word that it says that the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. That's a good thing to have in your head and in your memory so that you can be meditating, thinking about that as you go throughout your day. And the more you do that, you know what will happen eventually? Eventually, when those triggers come your way that cause you to lose it and blow your top, eventually that trigger is going to start reminding you the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. What you're doing is you're replacing the action of the trigger. Is everybody with me? Is everybody awake? Okay. It's very important. Too often in the past we have treated 
spiritual growth like it's another trip to the altar and somehow or another God zaps us with the spiritual lightning bolt and zing, that problem is taken care of. Sometimes God is merciful and does help in that way, in a, in a supernatural, divine way. But everybody has problems. Everybody has issues that require our intentional engagement and spiritual growth. And we identify what it is and we say, I'm, I'm going to, by God's grace, I'm going to be like Jesus. Study yourself. Study yourself. You know, we all need to know ourselves. And it is a great benefit. And this, if this sounds like psychobabble to you, then I think we in the church need more psychobabble. Study yourself. Get to know yourself. Learn where your weaknesses are, where your hang-ups are. Learn about those things that you fall over. Learn about the triggers in your life. What is it that triggers that response? And then work your way backward and say, well, how could I avoid that trigger? Or how could I make that trigger lead to a different response? People, this is very practical, talking about becoming more like Jesus. And then tackle it. Tackle it. Because you see, no matter how much you learn about yourself and no matter how much you learn about the problem, the areas where you struggle, if you, you know, you can know everything there is to know about nutrition and good diet and good health, but if you don't ever put that into practice in your life, like I heard one guy say, if you eat a lot of fat, greasy food, you will become a fat, greasy dude. No matter how much you learn, it's putting it into practice. It's tackling it that makes the difference, that makes the change. All right, moving on. Spiritual growth needs a plan. Spiritual growth requires focus. It requires focus. People, we need to keep the goal clear. Verse 8 of our scripture lesson says, If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. What this is saying here is basically what we just said a moment ago. You can have some knowledge without change. You can know a lot and not have it really impact you not have it really change your life, change your lifestyle. What we must do is understand that Jesus has a goal for us. God has a goal for us. And when we align our purpose and our intentions with God's goal for us, and we say, this is the focal point of my life. Everything else is built around, is structured around this. That's when real spiritual growth begins to take place. And you see, developing Christian character is a confirmation of the reality of our experience. We mentioned this a little bit earlier when we talked about faith without works and how faith without works is dead. And the converse of that is true also. That's what this verse is saying. Uh, 
Peter says here, verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. What is he talking about? Confirming your calling and election. He's talking about the intentional engagement of our lives to grow in Christ-like character and that if that happens and we see ourselves growing to be more like Christ and others, it is a confirmation of the legitimacy of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You want to know whether or not you are really a Christian? You want to know whether or not God has really done something in your heart and in your life? Then look at yourself and ask, am I growing in Christ-like character? It is confirmation of your calling and election. We all need a smart goal, a smart goal. Here's a smart goal. It is specific, it is measurable, it is achievable. It is relevant, and it is timely. A smart goal. Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, timely. I know some people who say, I, I want to read, I try to read four chapters a day in the Bible. And yet, it's not seeming to do anything to change the character of their life. They may be reading four chapters a day, but I would rather see them read one verse a day and do something about that one verse rather than to read and read for hours on end but have it not impact the way they live. I used to work with a young lady who was, as far as I could tell, didn't make any profession of faith to follow Christ or anything like that. And she was in college. I forget what she was studying for, but for an, an elective just to get some college credit, she took a, some kind of Bible class. And I remember her telling me, she, you know, most people knew I was, in their words, religious. I'm a religious person. And so she said, oh, I, hey, I'm taking a Bible class. Oh, interesting. You know, what are you learning? And so she'd tell me about the things she was learning and studying and reading but it didn't appear to make any difference in the way she lived her life. Our goals should be achievable. They should be relevant to us. This has to do with figuring out the areas that you stumble over. If you're working on something, you know, if you are if you're a person that tends to have a calm, even temperament, and out-of-control anger is not an issue for you, then you don't need to spend a lot of time memorizing Bible verses about anger and learning how to control your anger because you just you don't have that kind of temperament. But let me tell you this. You do have some kind of temperament that causes you to be inclined to struggle with something in your Christian walk. And I know that's true simply because it's true for everybody. You figure out what that is and work on that issue. It needs to be timely. It needs to be relevant. It needs to fit in with the overall plan of, of our growth in Christ. I could talk more about this, but I'm running out of time. Spiritual growth also needs consistency. It needs consistency. Notice verses 12 through 15. Peter knows 
that he is about to pass on. He says here, Jesus has revealed to him that his time, he doesn't, he doesn't have much longer to be in this world. So, he says, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Peter, you told us this before. We've heard this message before. You've preached this message before. By the way, I haven't preached this message before, but I have, I have repeated myself. I've repeated messages, and if it doesn't bear repeating, we shouldn't, it shouldn't be preached in the first place. Amen. Yeah. Um, Peter's okay with repeating himself. Repeating himself. Is everybody awake? Okay. Peter is okay with repeating himself. Though you know them, he says, I, I'm, I, I intend always to remind you of these qualities because you know them, even though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. In other words, Peter is okay with leaving and going to heaven if the people he's leaving behind have really gotten hold of these lessons and these qualities, and they have learned, I'm going to take it by the job, I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to engage daily in spiritual disciplines, I'm going to engage daily in following Jesus, in becoming more like Christ, and he says, I'm okay with leaving if you remember this. So let me say it one more time. It's the Department of Redundancy Department. I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Earlier, he said, if you forget, if you lack these qualities, you're so nearsighted that you've forgotten that you were forgiven of your sins. You've forgotten what Jesus has already done for you. So let me say it one more time. John Maxwell, I think it is, has the rule of five, what he calls the rule of five. And it goes something like this. If you have a tree out in your yard somewhere and that tree needs to go down, Leave an axe there, and every morning, go out and chop five times on the tree. Five times. Every single morning. Why? Because something done daily is powerful. Is powerful. You are building in a habit. And if... In so doing, if you do that, if you put that into action, and every morning you go out and chop on the tree five times, you know what will happen? No matter how big it is, eventually the tree will fall. And friends, as Christians, if we put some things in place in our life where we determine this is something, this is just going to be a part of my life. I'm going to go to church every week. I'm going to be there when the doors are open. I'm going to read my Bible and pray every day. I'm going to find someone to connect with. Your uh, New Start Discipleship Journal talks to you about having a mentor. And uh, we haven't done a lot as a congregation to pair people up with mentors, but we probably need to do that. Because everybody needs somebody that they can connect with to help them along the journey, to help them grow. So keep making the decision. Heard the story or read the story about 
a group of climbers that were trying to conquer Mount Everest. And if you've read or heard anything about it or maybe watched any of the documentaries about people that have climbed Mount Everest, you know that there's a very brief window of time because of the weather and because of storms and whatnot where conditions are not good, but they're suitable enough for climbers to be able to make the climb and reach the summit of Mount Everest. Well, there was one group of climbers one year. They had made several attempts, and they ultimately ended up missing out on that window. And they were back down at base camp, and they were kind of standing around sort of lamenting and and talking about what a shame it was that they couldn't make it. But one of those men had a different perspective, and he went over and looked out the window, and he looked at the summit of Everest, and he began to talk to the mountain. And he said, Mount Everest, you're as big as you're ever going to get. But we can come back, and we'll be bigger. We'll be stronger. We will be more fit. We'll be in better shape. Mount Everest, you're never going to grow an inch taller. But we can come back bigger and stronger next year, and we can conquer you. People, the devil is just as bad as he's ever going to get. Sin in this world is as bad as it's ever going to get. I know it feels like we see the progression, and there is a sense in which we do. But the devil and, and his, uh, his wiles, his temptations, it's as bad as it's ever going to get. But friends, you and I, we don't have to stop where we are. We can continue growing. We can continue engaging in our faith. We can be as close to Jesus as we want to be. And there might be sin, there might be temptation that is presently causing you to struggle in your Christian walk. But that temptation does not have to continue getting the better of you. Stand back up on your feet, ask God to forgive you and say, Jesus, help me. I want to live for you, I want to serve you, and begin to grow. Do it intentionally, do it with a plan, and God will help you. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Holy Father, thank you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. We ask that you will bless each one that's here this morning. Bless our fathers in a special way. We pray that they will uh, be recipients of your grace and goodness. We ask that you'll help us to engage intentionally in being the people you want us to be, in growing in spiritual disciplines and in grace.